Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the uh, Scott Gibson Show. I am Scott Gibson. Who else would I be? Slightly different lighting in the studio today if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, YouTube. YouTube. Then you may see I am lit as if I am at the gates of uh, of, of hell of, or heaven. Whatever you may believe uh, you'll end up. Um, I have strip lighting in the, uh, in the studio. Stroke uh, recreational area, stroke uh, dumping ground, uh, because as we all know, I am at the bottom rung of the hierarchy within the uh, the Gibson household, uh, and one of my strip lights is gone. So that's two things. One, asbestos is now filling my lungs, uh, because I don't even know if if anyone makes those fucking light tubes anymore that you used to smash over each other's backs when you are young, pretend they were lightsabers. And uh, two, I now have a, a central lighting point coming directly at my massive body heat. I probably should have put a hat on for this episode um, to deflect the glare. But if you're listening to this uh, audio on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, then, you know, you're like big man. It matters not a fucking jot if you got a big shiny baldy coupon. Um, so the good thing is it's now going to force me to, you know, Get the uh, the lighting rig that we need for the uh, the actual sh- uh, studio. So watch out for that. Anyway, how you been? Huh? Safe and well. I hope. 
we had a week off last week where, uh, let's just say, life got in the way. And I was extremely busy, uh, busy to the point where I just couldn't, I couldn't squeeze in a podcast. But we're back, so, you know, ease up, ya bastards. Um, lots to talk about, man. Lots to talk about. I, I was going to, I came down to record and I thought, do you know what? I'll squeeze a wee episode and I'll squeeze, I'll squeeze a wee podcast in before I go. And I'm sitting here going, what am I going to talk about other than, obviously, Will Smith thinking he's a fucking hard man, cracking Chris Rock across the chops. What are we going to talk about? And then I go on uh, the the Tinter web. I have a wee quick uh, search about and, and And fucking all sorts is happening, man. All sorts is happening. So a wee bit of stuff to talk about. First of all, Roman Abramovich has been poisoned. In the name of Christ, he has. Roman Abramovich, he's been poisoned. Now, I, I I don't know the full story. We will uncover this together. I don't know if it's the Russians, or if I don't know if he's had a dodgy kebab in, uh, in Turkey as he's been waiting for uh, his, his super yacht to be released. I don't know where he's been poisoned or how he's been poisoned. I imagine it's the Russians, but we'll discover together. COVID's back. It's making a return. It's in China. We need to talk about that. We always need to talk about the Oscars. We need to talk about electric cars, uh, terrifying dogs, and Cadbury's chocolate. I mean, it's it's all it's all coming up in this episode. It's all happening. So so strap in and stay tuned. Um, but today, uh, this has been recorded on Monday, the twenty eighth of March, uh, at least Wednesday. Um, today was maybe the start of. The, let me just say, cooler weather moving in across the eastern seafront. Uh, cooler weather. We've had a week of Scottish summer. I don't know where you are in the world, but if, you, if you've if you been in Scotland for the last week, you'll know that it's been absolutely fucking scorchio, is the only way to describe it. Roasting hot, beautiful weather. I've been outside almost every night, smoking cigars, enjoying the sunset, and just thinking, isn't life great? You know, and then you come back in the house and you're asked to empty the dishwasher and you suddenly are thrust back into reality again to go, oh, it was good when I was sitting outside and I was peaceful and calm. And now you're back in. Also, on a side note, because my mind's gone 100 miles an hour now, I've had far too much caffeine. Can we, first of all, just discuss the cost of a rattan furniture? I don't know what rattan is. I don't know if it's a man. I don't know if it's a fabric. But whoever or whatever rattan is, the fucking cost of this stuff, in the name of Christ. We, we've been starting, because the nicer weather's coming in, right? I say we've been starting the day, do up the garden. Uh, the missus has. I, uh, I, I'm there to, to uh, provide moral support. I'm not a gardener. I am not a gardener. Uh, I'll even go as far as say, I'm not a DIY man. I do strongly believe that if you are a fan of DIY or you encourage your partner to uh, you know, to, to participate in any form of DIY, I think you're a communist. I think you're a communist. And right now, that's bad, right? Who are the biggest communists? Chinese and the Russians. You're a bad guy, right? If you are ever nipping your man's head, how is it you're never getting the stuff done in this house, eh? You're out all day being a China. But when I ask you to fix something in here, you never fucking do it. Do not encourage you. If you participate in uh, any form of do-it-yourself, you're a communist. And I'll tell you for why. Because you should be hiring a man in. Or a woman. You should be hiring a, a tradesperson in 
to complete the work that you need because that's, that's, that's capitalism. Keeps the economy moving. And I know that tradesmen take the fucking cunt out of you. And I know that you could probably go down to B&Q or onto the, the BASOS website and get the stuff you need for a tenth of the price. But then you're a communist. And in and, and these difficult trying times, we've got to keep the economy moving. And you do that by hiring a man in to paint your decking. Why would I paint decking myself when I can hire somebody in and pay that man and it feeds out the economy and I keep the country moving? Eh? That is my defence for not participating in any form of DIY whatsoever. Now, has that defence worked? Not once. Not once. Because then you are reminded that not only... Are you uh, being forced to participate in communism, but you also live in a dictatorship ruled by your better half, in which you, you do as you're told? So we've got stuff in. The missus painted the deck, and deck is looking cracking. Uh, we've, we've been to garden centres. Uh, also, can I say, are garden centres the last great uh, front for the middle classes? It's not somewhere that you feel... This is maybe just me. It's garden centres are not somewhere where I, I feel welcome or I feel safe. I don't feel comfortable there. Everything's far too expensive. They've all got Latin names. I mean, first of all, anything that solely consists of Latin names is basically saying no to the working class. That's what it's saying. Whenever you watch the Chelsea Flower Show, as if I watch the Chelsea Flower Show, whenever you watch the Chelsea Flower Show, it's all fucking Middle Englanders. It's all Middle Englanders and landowners out with their pompous fructactus and made-up names. Charlie Dimmock, we are fucking horrible old bangers swinging in the breeze. I don't feel as if gardening is a thing for for people like me. Normal people, it's not, it's not their thing. It's for pensioners and Tories. Right? That's why AstroTurf was brought in. So that the fucking scumbags can cover their gardens in AstroTurf and let their French bulldog shit everywhere and no bother. But we got plants, topsoil, I don't know, apparently the soil that we've got is, is no good soil. So we need topsoil. And uh, no, I'm not going to deny, the garden's looking amazing. The missus has done a fucking wonderful job. I'm just saying, uh... You know, I wouldn't have known where to start myself. The, the, she's trying to tell me about evergreens and which I think is a Will Smith song. And different plants that you've got to buy. You get them now because they come in in the summer so they might not look that much now but in the summer they'll bloom. And then what you want to do is put them to bed and then bring in your spring and autumn range and then that'll go down and then you get some evergreens that last all year in. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because really, I think this is where the, the, the sex is. And I know we're living in a world where, where, where gender is fluid. You know, and men are women and women are men. I get it. But when it comes to uh, discussions of the garden, I think that's when the, 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 the wall, the wall of sexuality remains. Because as soon as we talk about the garden, my missus is thinking plants, flowers, topsoil, those wee fucking, uh, what are they called? The fucking, the thing with ops that you put in with the fucking doodah. The solar powered uh, lights that come on to light up the fucking edge and all that shit. 
And all I'm thinking about as a man is fire. So I'm thinking, fire pits, bar- hot barbecue, barbecues, something that I can produce flames from. Fire pit. I wanted a fire pit. I wanted a fire pit so I could sit out at night with a wee fire going and just enjoy being outdoors. As, I, as I'm getting older, I am thinking that there, there's something inside, something inside so strong. There's something inside us, right? I don't know if it is caveman, prehistoric, I don't know. But there is something inside us. You I, I, you feel a connection with fire. You feel a connection with fire. Not at the point where I'm going around fucking setting fire to schools. No, that kind of connection. But there's there's something prehistoric, medieval. I don't know. There's something about being around a fire. The sounds, the smells, that and water. As I'm getting older, you know, we're talking more and more about where we're going to be and where we're going to buy a house and you know where we're going to kind of settle down, start a family. There, there, there is something about being near water that is extremely calming. I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. Maybe it's knowing that when it gets too much, I can just kick off the crocs and walk out to the sea. I don't know, but there's something about being near water or, or the sound of water. <laughs> Got to just stand there and do a piss in the corner and just tell let me just calm down a bit. There's something about the, the, the sound of, of water that is extremely calming. That and fire. Uh, the opposite sides, you know. The two, the 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 yin to the yang, water and fire, together. Very caring. What the fuck am I talking about? I don't know. So I went to get a fire pit, right? And uh, I knew I wanted to get. I just wanted a fire pit, like a walk. I basically wanted a walk, an outdoor walk, to burn stuff in, right? I probably should have just went and bought a walk. Walk on. I probably should have just went to see you and uh, met my old pals at the Chinese um, supermarket and just bought a walk. That's what I should have done. Rattled a few legs on it and fucking walk on. But no, I had to buy a fire pit. No, I wanted a bit. I don't want a decorative one. I don't want one that's got like a grill on top for doing marshmallows. I want a fucking a pit, right? A bowl, a walk that I can just throw stuff in and burn. And set fire to and sit and and enjoy the flames, right? And we went to this garden centre, we went to a couple of garden centres actually in the Clyde Valley, which sounds far more exotic than it is. And these middle class now we went to the wrong one to start, we went to some fucking posh uh, garden centre, which I didn't even know was a thing. I thought all garden centres were posh, but this one was ridiculous. There was a bit in it, it had an interior section. I was like, surely this defeats the point of being a garden centre. If it's selling interior parts for your home, and it had a table, and on the table were books. Each one of the books a hundred quid, and it's like Gucci, Tom Ford, all you know, those fucking coffee table books that you see in influencers' houses and fucking drug dealers and assholes' houses, where they have like a hundred pound Gucci book sitting in the coffee table that's never fucking touched, but just to let you know that they've got far too much money and no fucking class. Those things, I'm like, where the hell are we? An outdoor kitchen, which I saw and I thought, this is amazing. Twelve and a half grand. Suck my dick. So I'm looking for fire pits. I found the fire pits. £180. £180 for a fire pit. I thought, get me the fuck out of here. £29 on Amazon. Now, yes. Is it the same product? No. Does it look the same? 
No. But am I paying £180 for a fire pit? I'm a fuck. So I got one off Amazon. Does the job. You know, it does the job. And again, I keep coming back to this argument that I have with myself where I'm trying to support small independent businesses. But if you're going to be selling me a fire pit for £180, man, you can fucking independent yourself out of business. When I can get my good pals, the Chinese, to ship one over on a Prime membership 24 hours the next day for a third of the price. Not even that, a fifth of the price. So my fire pit's there. Got a wee barbecue and um, had a wee barbecue over the weekend to celebrate Mother's Day, you know. And it was, the barbecue was hard, man. It was hard. I, I, I think that it, it definitely made me realise how much a skill that is being a, being a barbecue chef, you know, a barbecue, barbecue, like really understanding, taking the time to like heat your coals and, you know, get the charcoal white hot, because let's be honest, most of us, right, that we, we don't have the patience for slow cooking, barbecuing in this country is not like barbecuing in America, right, we're not getting up at the crack of dawn to fucking make our own charcoal, to stoke a fire, to, to keep the temperature moving, turning meats. We are putting in some kindling, rattling coals on it, and dumping half a litre of lighter fluid, and then fucking torching it, watching it go up. That's barbecuing in the UK, right? And then firing on a sausage, watching it go black, because you've still no burnt out of the lighter fluid yet, and then once that goes in, you do a couple of burgers and a few sausages, and Bob's your uncle, Gina's your auntie. That was a barbecue. The burgers were all right. The sausages were fine. But I, I, as I was cooking it, I'm going, I wish I had the knowledge. You know, the, the understanding. The, the, I wish I knew the techniques of proper barbecue. But again, am I going to be able to, you know, create that authentic barbecue flavour and taste on a fucking £25 barbecue out of Sainsbury's? I highly doubt it. Now, I've seen, I've watched the Barbecue Pitmaster series on Netflix for Chef's Table. I'm not saying that these people are sitting here with multi-million pound barbecues. Most of them are just bricks and grills and, and coal. But there is definitely technique, skill involved in it. Where I would get a whole pig at short notice, I've no idea. So for now, it's, it's uh, crispy sausages and half bur burgers. But it definitely did make me think, I, I, I wish I had... I wish I had the skill, you know, because I've been looking at barbecues, as every man does, when the weather turns and it gets a bit sunny, we start thinking, we start fantasising to ourselves that we're going to be out there fucking cooking whole sides of bacon, man, and turning meats and briskets and pulled pork and fucking slapping bits of pig's arse and, oh, I get that in our four hours. That's the fantasy, you know, and we go and look at these barbecues, I look at the, the eggs, the green eggs, for fucking £900, £1,200. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, what an investment that would be to get done, to, to do what we use it twice a year to fucking char a sausage. I, I, I wish I had the, the skill, you know, and if I, if I was really serious about dedicating time to understand that or learning barbecue, I probably, I probably would maybe invest in one. But I, I know that, I, I know that that is a type of cooking or a, or a, a type of food that I'm 
I love to eat, but I don't love enough to want to learn more about it. If I'm going to Eden, I'm going to buy a plancher, which is basically like a big flat grill top, right? It's powered by gas. So that I can get those burgers going and getting them, oh, mighty fine smash burgers. And then finally we'll get that fucking food truck on the go, man. Finally. Maybe this summer. Maybe this might be the year that I take the plunge and just go for it. I'm thinking about just going to a farmer's market. There's a farmer's market doing my way, doing by every second Sunday, I think it runs. And I'm toying with the idea of just going for it. And I'll tell you for why, right? Me and the missus went out for lunch today. We went to a place called the Appleton Inn, which is near Lark Hall. And it was one of the most bizarre experiences of my life. First of all, let me just say straight off the bat, the food was fucking garbage, right? And it's very, very odd because when you drive up to it, it's quite a, it's quite a beautiful building. It's very nice inside. It's obviously been there for a long time. It's old-fashioned. You can see the, the, the original brickwork. But the people, the people who frequent this, in the name of fucking Christ, man. It's, it's, I mean, it's not even like the rejects of Jersey Shore because that's doing the people of Jersey Shore a, a, a disservice. It is, it, it's, a, it's a group of Scottish people, particularly for the Central Belt, Glasgow, kind of Lark Hall, that kind of part, right? That you don't, it's not that you don't want to believe they exist. You know that they exist, these people, these kind of orange hand women, you know, just neddy, old neds, old neddy guys that have just never let life go. You know, they're like Scotland's 114th biggest coke dealer and they walk about like Conor McGregor. These guys. I, I, I walked into the place to try and get us a drink because we're sitting outside because it's roasted. And there was a man in his 50s and I, I, I'm saying 50s, I'm probably I'm probably doing him a favour. Let's just see, there's a guy there in his 50s. And a full Rangers tracksuit. And it blew my fucking mind. It blew my mind. Because I haven't seen, I haven't seen people like that for a long time. A fully grown man, fully developed. I imagine he's got a job. Probably a family. Probably kids. Probably a lot of kids. A lot of different people. And he has got up... On a normal day, a school day, I don't know what he does for a living, you know, because that's the thing, nobody works anymore, nobody works, the days of a Monday to Friday 95, they don't exist anymore, in the old days, you know, when I first became a comic, I used to love it, because during the day you go and get things done, because everybody worked, everybody worked, and they worked Monday, Friday 95, you know, and during the day it was quiet, everyone, no, it's busy, it doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter where you go, everywhere's fucking mobbed all the time. Because nobody works anymore. And I'm looking at this guy in front of me. And I'm thinking, what the, what is his story? What does he do? What has led him to the point that he is wearing a full cotton as well? A full cotton Rangers tracksuit. No, ironically, he's he's chosen to do that. He's went to a shop, he's bought it, he's brought it home, he's woke up on that day and thought, do you know what I'll do? I'm gonna go up the Appleton Inn for a spot of brunch. I'll, I'll put the I'll put the Rangers tracks on. Mind blown. Now I know, and he had to be guys a haircut as well, which which just made me think of the videos that I've seen over the weekend. Which, on a side note, and again, we're going off on one here, but 
I find the videos of Gaza at the uh, the Rangers charity match deeply, deeply upsetting. Deeply upsetting. Because that man is in a bad way. And I know he's been in a bad way for a long, long time. But something has to be done. It came up on my phone, Gaza scores at Ibrox and the home crowd go crazy, right? And I thought, I wonder if he is fit and healthy again. Maybe not fit and healthy, but I wonder if he's on the road to recovery again. And he's his love of football, his love of Rangers, or the love that Rangers fans have for him will help in his recovery. And then I saw the videos and it was deeply upsetting. It was all, I mean, it, it wasn't almost, it was embarrassing. And it was almost, I'll go as far to say, it's almost enabling. If you haven't seen it, uh, a ball gets crossed in him along the deck, he's just inside the 18-yard box, he goes to take a swing at it, he misses, he kind of stumbles, the ball goes through, the ball is then played back to him by a defender, and he takes this, I mean, can you even call it a shot? It actually looks like, you know sometimes when you're on holiday, and somebody's drunk dad, who's been hitting the free bar, wants to come and play football with the kids, because he used to be a player back in the day, and he takes a kind of drunken shot and a stumble, and then staggers off, back to the side of the pool, back at a sun lounger, and continues on his marathon drinking session. That's what it was like. It looked like somebody's drunk uncle taking a shot at like a family holiday. It was sad. It was pathetic. Now, there'll be some people listening to this going, big man, he's struggling, he's going through it. And I understand that. I'm not making fun of his condition. I'm not making fun of alcoholism. And I'm not making fun of him himself. I'm just saying it was sad to watch. And for everybody who celebrated after him, and, and all the, the, the ex-players have come out and spoke about Gaza after that, something has to be done. And one of them has to value that man enough to say that they are willing to end the relationship. I have been lucky that I haven't had anyone in my life who has suffered with alcoholism directly. I've had a few friends who have had a fright. Uh, one of my one of my close friends when we were young got a bit of a fright, I suppose. And, and as did I. I think that's what covered my drinking when I was quite young. We were about 20, early 20s. And uh, a guy who I lived with at the time, um, you know, both of us got a bit of a fright. What a fright I got, shall we say. When one night we were just sitting at home and we just kind of, we just, I don't know how or why. Well, I do actually know how. I'll tell you the story. I, I, I worked in a solicitor's uh, during the summer holidays when I was first at university. I, I did it when I, when I left school to get a bit of experience because I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. And when I was at university, uh, on the breaks from uni, I would go back and I would work in the solicitors in Glasgow. And... Um, at that point, I'm I'm living in my first flat with, with my friend, and uh, you know we're we're drinking every night, and it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like like it's a problem. Or it doesn't seem like an issue, because we are we're socialising. People are coming over. We were the first one of the kind of friendship group to have our own place. So every night there's somebody else dropping in, and you're playing FIFA or we're playing the computer, and we're having a couple of cans, and we're drinking, and, and you're getting up and you're functioning, and it seems as though there's not a problem. And at the time, I suppose, there isn't a problem, but the problem is certainly around the corner waiting for you. You know? That's maybe the point we got to. We, we could see the devil at the, uh, the corner, you know, alcoholism is down the road and it's waiting for us. 
And somebody was leaving the... No, somebody wasn't leaving, that's wrong. Somebody was moving from uh, a department within the solicitors or was becoming a partner or something. There was a celebration or something. And everybody went out for a, for a couple of drinks after it. And I got very drunk. Very drunk. I was drinking a pint at the bar before taking a pint back to the group. Now, I wasn't a... I've never been a, an aggressive drunk, an angry drunk. If anything, I've been a very sleepy drunk. Uh, and one of the people who I worked with at the time in the uh, in the solicitors said to me, are you all right? And I said, I'm perfectly fine. And I was perfectly fine. Like, I wasn't, you know, stumbling or drooling or being inappropriate. I was just I was just drinking a lot. And I says, yeah. And he went, are you sure you're all right? I think they thought maybe something was going on. And I says, I'm fine, why? And he went, because you're on your fifth pint and we're only on our second drink. And that stuck with me. And the next day when I woke up and I was very hungover, that night we were drinking again and then we had the kind of conversation about are we drinking too much? We 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 talked about how much we drink and it actually did give us a fright. One of my other friends kinda confirmed how much we were boozing at the time and, and it it kinda shocked me into a full on retreat. You know, and that's that's as close to I mean I'm I, again I feel as if I'm trivializing something as severe as alcoholism, but I I do think we were we were on a road to go down a certain path where life that may have been difficult to come back from because we were, I mean, we were doing a, we were doing a, a case of beer a night. We were doing twenty four cans a night. You know, it was bad, man. But thankfully, I've never had myself dealt with alcoholism or anybody really close to me going through it. And I imagine, I can only imagine, it's absolutely horrendous. But again, there must come a point where. You love someone so much, or they mean so much to you, that you have to accept, I must end my friendship with this person in order to try and save them. And by that, what I mean is, someone surely has to get a hold of the person who's dealing with alcoholism, and almost break their relationship by getting them the help they need, forcing them out of rehab, just being that, being that person to focus the anger on, in the hope that you can get them through or help them. And again, I'm talking about something I don't know anything about. I'm just vocalising my thoughts. This is what the podcast's for. But when I when I saw everyone celebrating with them with that goal, and I saw some of the comments that came out after it, I just thought this is this is deeply, deeply upsetting. It's it's so sad that no one has been able to get through to him. You know, no one's been able to to get in there and get help. Really, really sad. Uh, what the fuck was I talking about? Fire pits and barbecues. Absolutely no idea. Absolutely no idea what is going on here. So let's... Um, I did have a list of things I wanted to talk about. Barbecues. Uh, Mother's Day. I hope you all had a good Mother's Day. Those Any, any mothers out there? And uh, huh? Uh... It was nice. My mum came over, had a wee barbecue, had some food and that, and then, uh, you know, I just chilled a few bevies. She brought a bottle of brandy with her, which shocked me. I don't drink brandy, but I mean, I'll take a free, I'll take some, take some bevy, you know. This is, after just talking about alcoholism, I'll be like, I'll take some free bevy. And uh, here's me thinking, my mother is not a, is not a tight person, you know, uh, but she's very frugal. And when she appeared with a bottle of brandy, 
um, which was about 20-odd-year-old, a vintage, and I thought, and I fuck, and a, a, a bottle of uh, Moe champagne. I thought, what's going on here? Now, here was me thinking, has she dug deep, and in the twilights of her life thought, do you know what, I want to get a fancy bottle of brandy, and I'm going to sit, and I'm going to have a wee glass of brandy on my first board, it's going to be a nice thing. No, she's found these two bottles in the house, right? <laughs> she's found these two bottles buried somewhere in the house, and she's brought them where? And and we've, we're the guinea pigs. And the bottle of brandy, I mean, I refused to even open it. It, it literally had life inside the bottle. I held it up, and uh, it looked like that kind of, you know the vodka, is it Glauschlager that's got the gold flakes in it? It looked like that. And I went, listen, I'm not a brandy drinker more, but that isn't looking good. I'm sure if I put it under a microscope, there would be actual functioning life inside this bottle of brandy. And the bottle of Moe, in the name of God, this was actually taken from my grandfather's house when she cleaned it out. He was a, 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 a he worked for an insurance company doing a plant engineer. He did a contract for uh, JCB plant hire and they gifted him a bottle of champagne for their 150th anniversary and this was gifted to him in the uh, late 80s. And to be, to be fair to Moe, it popped. I mean, it made a sound and I thought, they might be all right. And I poured it and there was a bit of fizz and I thought, this this could be all right until we sampled it and then it was absolutely doing the drain. It was horrendous. <laughs> horrendous. Which did get me thinking like, I, I had naively, again, I'm not I'm not a wine connoisseur. I mean, I'll, I'll drink a bottle of red if it's under a fiver. Other than that, I know nothing. I don't know grapes. I don't know regions. I know nothing. I know, is it over a fiver or is it under a fiver? That's all I know. And it did get me thinking, you can't just buy a bottle of wine and stick it in your basement for 30 years and then it becomes better. And I'll be honest, I did think that's how it works. I did think if you buy like a vintage bottle, you know, because I, I again, I assumed when they say it's a vintage, it's because somebody's assessed the grapes or the climate or they've went, there's been a lot of fucking dug shit in the grass that day. It's a good year for the grapes. It's a great year for the grapes. I don't know what is a good year for grapes. What's a bad year? No idea. But I did think if you bought a bottle of champagne that said vintage on it and you stuck it in your fucking garage for 30 years, by the time you come to open it, it's going to be magnifique. Clearly not. And then I'm remembering stuff that I've seen like that escape to the chateau when the fucking two, uh, two dafties unlocked a cellar underneath the chateau. You know, he's peeking through a wee hole in the wall and there's hundreds of bottles of red wine in it. And then realising they've all gone to shit and then also remembering things like when I've been watching stuff like Chef's Table, there, there are people, and I don't know what they're called, who come in and they turn the, the bottles a quarter turn every single day. Every single day they'll come in and they'll do a quarter turn on the bottles so that the sediment doesn't uh, rest and, I don't know, keep it fresh. I don't, again, I have no idea. But the, this this brandy and this champagne, I have never smelled anything as bad in my life. And now I'm sitting here, because like most adults, right, you'll have a booze cupboard in your house and it'll have bottles, I've got six bottles of gin in there. Now I like gin. Right, I like gin. I don't mind it. A gin and tonic, yes. Gin and bitter lemon, thank you very much. But the thought of having to tan six bottles of the stuff. I mean, I don't know how many times I need to listen to Adele back to back or how many sad films I need to watch to get through six bottles of gin. But they're in there. Bottle of Baileys, of course. Tia Maria, yes. 
What am I having that way? No, a clue. Dark rum, light rum, mixers. It's all in the cupboard. Is it ever going to get drunk? No. I'll just keep adding to the booze cupboard year after year after year in case somebody comes round. And then when people do come round, you're like, you want a wee gin or a tea Maria or a, or a Bailey's possibly? And they're like, hey, you get any beer? Uh, of course I. And then the fucking booze cupboard just keeps accumulating. Here's me having heartfelt discussions about being alcoholic and I'm talking about a fucking booze cupboard overflowing with gin. Maybe I need to start getting into cocktails. Maybe that needs to be the thing. Maybe I need to find some gin cocktails that I like in order to just blast my way through the gin. But then at the same time, when you're sitting down at a night relaxing, the last thing you have to do is get out fucking 16 different ingredients. Right, how do I make sugar syrup? Here, here, hen, gonna make me four and a half litres of sugar syrup. Have we got a, a, a swaddle or a waddle? I need to bash a white a lime wedge when you can just go, tsh, done. Don't know, but I, I need to work my way through that booze cupboard. Uh, so if anybody listening has uh, cocktail recipes, a bramble, I like a bramble. Is that gin? Or is it vodka? I think that's gin. What's in a bramble though? We'll need to Google that. Uh, we'll need to Google that. We'll find out. We'll, fi- we'll find out what is in uh, a bramble. And then six litres of gin's getting tanned. Maybe I'll just make a giant bucket of bramble. Sit out the back with my fire pit and a cigar. Get fucking gone. <laughs> I've also ran out of cigars, man. What a bloody week this is. I've got one cigar left. It's the big fucking Cuban bad boy. I have been saving for special occasions, and special occasions have come and gone, I've just not done it, so now that I've got my fire pit, I'm going to sit out one night, I'll make my bucket of bramble, and I'll sit there, watch the sun go down, and smoke my massive fucking Pablo Escobar cigar, and uh, and enjoy life. That's what we'll do. God. What a podcast, right? Let's get to some new stories, man, shall we? Let's do it. Right, let's look at the let's look at the Abramovich thing, man, shall we? Because this is when I first saw this, I was like, this cannot be fucking real. And it is real. And again, it's not really surprising, let's be honest. Uh, headline Roman Abramovich poisoned during Kiev meeting uh, Kiev not Kiev, do apologize. During Kiev meeting with peace negotiators. And again, the thought that the thought that Russia, the Kremlin, Putin wouldn't go to the to the extreme length of poisoning or trying to kill somebody like Roman Abramovich. You know, it's daft. Of course he will. He's fucking murdered more high-profile people in the past. But just to see it is is insane because I, I didn't think something like that was was really going to happen. So let's look at this story again from the uh, from the good people at the Metro, the only place to get your your news uh, in this uh, war war zone. You know, is is the Metro. Uh, how much does it cost? It's free. Why is it free? Because it's fucking garbage. Um, this was breaking news Monday afternoon. You probably will have seen this by now. Russian oligarch Roman Abramovich was poisoned along with Ukrainian negotiators. It has been claimed. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that Vladimir Putin ally and Chelsea FC owner, uh, who has been sanctioned by the UK government, was hit by symptoms after a suspected poisoning at a meeting in Kyiv earlier this month. Abramovich uh, and at least two senior Ukrainian officials are said to have developed P- 
peeling skin on their faces and hands, red eyes, and constant and painful tearing, the paper reported in the name of fuck. Quoting people familiar with the matter, it added Ukrainian President uh, Zelensky, who has met with Abramovich, was, has not been affected. The lives, of, the lives of the Chelsea owner and peace negotiators are not thought to be in danger. Widespread reports have previously suggested Russian forces are attempting to assassinate Zelensky, but it's unclear who the target of the alleged poisoning would have been. Russia has been widely blamed for a series of poisonings around the world, of course, including a classic uh, Novichok incident in Salisbury, or Salisbury, uh, Putin critic Alexander Litvinenko, uh, and opposition figure Alexei Nalvev. Who can forget Alexander Litvinenko out having a quiet flat white in a London cafe, next minute he's bottom Johnny's hair for his half. I've been poisoned. No, it's obviously not as extreme as fucking Litvinenko. If you're getting a bit of peeling skin in your eyes or water. I mean, that could be sunburn. I don't know what the weather system is like in Kiev. You know, maybe Abramovich has been on the boat in Turkey, right? He's managed to fucking run over the, the UNICEF paddle and he's, he's off. And he's been out on the top deck uh, catching some rays. You know, he's had some fucking uh, dodgy salad with his kebab. It's been left out in the sun and his skin's peeling and it hurts when he cries, right? A couple of strong onions in there. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's not poisoning. But also, to be fair to the Russians, how do you how do you know who's going to get the poison? Remember those Instagram videos and TikToks were going on? It was like the a comedy sketch of... Um, an assassin's first day in the job and he puts the powder in the coffee and stirs it and then sticks his finger and fucking kills himself. I suppose, to be fair to the Russians, you can't run the risk of the wrong person getting the poison. How do you get around that? Poison every cunt. <laughs> but comrade, how do we know the Ukrainian diplomats will be the one to drink the poison? We don't, comrade. So we fucking poison everybody. <laughs> Oh, Roman, Roman, Roman. Uh, article goes on to say the investigative media group Bellingcat, never heard of them, said the incident took place overnight from March 3rd to 4th, and we're just hearing about it now. With three people experiencing symptoms consistent with poisoning with chemical weapons, including Roman Abramovich, Abramovich. Uh, because we've been saying Abramovich for years, and apparently it's Abramovich. Abramovich, along with another Russian entrepreneur, had taken part in the negotiations alongside Ukraine's PM, uh, Rustan Umirov. Uh, the negotiations round uh, of the afternoon of the 3rd of March took place in Ukraine, lasted until about 10pm. Three members of the negotiating team uh, retreated to an apartment in Kiev later that night and felt initial symptoms including eye and skin inflammation and piercing pain in the eyes. Oh, they don't fuck about the Ruskies, man. The symptoms did not abd until the morning. President Zelensky's spokesman says they had no information about any suspended, suspected poisoning. According to the Wall Street Journal, it cited Western experts suggesting it was difficult to confirm if the symptoms were caused by a chemical or biological agent or an electromagnetic radiation attack. Oh, my, I mean, this is getting futuristic here, isn't it? So is this, is this suggesting that old Putin and the, the Ruskies have now got even smarter ways to poison you? No longer do they have to get you to drink uh, a latte from a greasy spoon cafe in London. No, 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 no. 
they can just fire a fucking Islamic ray gun and melt your eyeballs. Some of the, some of the footage that has come out recently about these ultrasonic missiles, which sounds mad, ultrasonic missiles, mate. The 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 new advanced technology in in warfare and armory, it's it's proper Robocop shit. The same companies who design these missile defence systems then effectively go to work to design newer and smarter missiles that can negotiate the defence systems. It's, it's, it's insane. It's insane and it's, it, almost, it almost doesn't make sense that it's allowed to continue. With all the, the sanctions that are going on by governments, why are these weaponry companies, these are, why are they not being sanctioned and shut down? How can you invent a missile defence system, sell that to a country? Now listen, see all the missiles that we've sold him? We'll see this missile defence system. Anytime they try and launch a missile at you, the defence system kicks in, fires off a roaming candle, shoots up a couple of rockets, bish bash bosh, missiles kind of get you. Oh mate, how much? 40, 100,000 billion? Well, fucking burn down the schools, nobody's getting any more benefits, we're buying one. And then once they've sold that... They go back to the fucking, the baddies, or the goodies, depending on which side of the, the wall you're on, and they say, listen, see the missiles we sent you 18 months ago, we've just sent them a fucking missile defence system, so now you need to upgrade to the new missiles uh, that fly by, uh, you know, the sound of a dog farting, and then they buy them, and then they go back to the good guys, or the bad guys, depending on which side of the wall you sit on, and they say, listen, see that defence system we just sent you, well, you're fucked. How can that be a done thing? That, that would be worrying if they no longer have to poison you. Well, like old school, tablet in the water, mixy mixy. All they need to do is go fucking, and that's him there, and fire! Electrical magnetic pulse through your body. My eyeballs are in fire, gaffer. I've been electrical poisoned. Comrade. Oh, God. It's never ending, this Russia thing. It's never ending. I can't see it stopping. It's the new COVID. You know? It's just something else to worry about. It does start to feel as if they're pushing back slightly and it looks as if they're just going to divide Ukraine into two and it's going to be an east and west Ukraine. You know? East being Ukraine and the west being part of Russia. That's what it feels like now. And I imagine it'll die down and it'll sit for a bit and it'll be nice and calm and then fucking Putin will push again. And eventually he'll get what he wants. Eventually they'll get what he wants. And now, now we're panicking as well because the Americans are still trotting out fucking Joe Biden to go on there and have a mad rant. Do you know what I mean? Biden's ranting more shite than I do in this podcast. And and Putin doesn't even watch this podcast. I wish he did. Like and subscribe. How can you allow Joe Biden to even speak now? He should be banned for speaking. To then go out there and say... How can this bastard be allowed to continue in power and then claim that that isn't he calling for a regime change? No, it isn't he calling for a regime change because he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He's just lost it at this point. He's just rambling on. He's reading the words on the teleprompter, no understanding that this is a speech that he's given. He just thinks he's reading a fucking news article that I do when I read the Metro. And he's like, is this, is this real, eh? Schools and pregnant women, this guy's a bastard, man. He can't be allowed to continue. Next minute, the Kremlin's going... What did that old fucking cunt say? Can he be allowed to continue? Right, type in the coordinates for Florida. Launch. <laughs> 2.30 at 
tell him to watch his eyeballs. We've got an electric magnetic fucking vapor gun coming his way. Basically, what I'm saying is, get online, buy your stuff, go on holiday while you can, because the world's going to explode, and then get into the bunker and hunker down and hope that it's a quick death. Fucking Roman Abramovich. This is this is why you don't get involved. This is why you don't get involved in it, man. Just you're like, listen. I used to know Putin back when we played Fives, man, but he fucking went off the boil. Okay, what are we at? God almighty, we're, we're way over time here. What have we still got? Uh, electric cars, little dogs. Um, what we'll do we dogs? Let's do we dogs, then we'll wrap this one up. Uh, final story for the pod. Great headline, this man. And it's Chihuahuas, which are the biggest little bastards on the planet. Town living in fear of pair of Chihuahuas that even bullied a police dog. Uh, obviously everyone knows police dogs hardest dogs of all dogs professionally trained dogs um, a historic market town is under siege under siege by a pair of ankle biters uh, a pair of hooligan chihuahuas who have been ganging up on other pets now how ridiculous is this a pair of hooligan chihuahuas as if these two dogs are going to be like West Side Story if they get flick blades and balaclavas. Do you know how you deal with a, an angry chihuahua? Or a pair of chihuahuas? You go kick them into a field. Now, I am not in any way condoning violence. And I am certainly not condoning violence against animals. I would say you should uh, pursue violence against humans before you pursue violence against animals. But... We all know a chihuahua is a little cunt. And it's very easy to deal with. It's like a fucking giant guinea pig with teeth. Kick the fucking thing into a field. Or, what you do is, get two bricks and clap its head together. That's how it's dealt with. The two dogs are so unpleasant, the uh, article says, a former police German shepherd was attacked by the dogs and the dog is now scared of them. Another person walking uh, his two 65-pound dogs, fat dogs, were charged by the two chihuahuas that ran straight at them in Corsham in Wiltshire. Councillor Ruth Hopkinson said she's had several complaints about the dogs. She said, I got a call from a resident who had a very unpleasant encounter with a couple of dogs in the high street when they were off the lead. They were little dogs, bastards, a pair of cunts, one passerby said. The man who called up an ex-police dog is a German shepherd. Um... So a big dog. There were two unpleasant chihuahuas who attacked German Shepherd, so the sight of a dog is no reflection of its aggressiveness. Again, this is a myth. This is nonsense, right? This is when the whole thing is when it's a reverse psychology of size matters. When it comes to a dog, a big dog is not a threatening dog. You get things like German Shepherds, right, which have been cited in this as police dogs or Rottweilers. These dogs are not threatening dogs. They become threatening because they have bad owners. Right, they they have people who turn them vicious, turn them violent. It is a result of a bad owner. There's been uh, newspaper reports recently of uh, an 18 month old baby who was killed by a dog. These things are horrible, but the dogs that are always cited are the same types of dogs. They become violent and they become bad dogs because they have bad owners. Chihuahuas, on the other hand, are the complete opposite. 
they are born cunts, they live as cunts, and they die as cunts. You can have the greatest, you could be the best, you could be fucking Pablo Cesar, whatever that cunt's name is, the Doug Whisperer that blows into their arse and they're his best pal, fucking sucking off Alsatians. You can be that mad cunt and you can give him 40 chihuahuas. They will overpower him and they will eat him. These dogs are the devil. They are bastards, right? Yes, people dress them up. Yes, they look quite cute, but they are vicious little cunts. One used to live across us. It was a chihuahua, a Jack Russell cross. Shoot the bastard! And he used to just bounce in his legs. Ah, ah, just screaming. It was horrible. So don't be fooled by this. Big dogs are violent, small dogs are nice. They're no. A bad dog comes from a bad owner. But the exception to that rule is all chihuahuas are cunts. That's the exception to the rule. Dr. Jeffrey O'Doyer, uh, whoever this is, described him as a bloody Mexican hooligan. Yes! <laughs> Imagine describing two dogs as a Mexican hooligan. They're bloody Mexican hooligans. Well, the council is concerned about livestock. Uh, Councillor Hawkinson said, if in lambing fields, please keep to the paths and your dog on a leash. The dog must be kept playing, but that's not how the sheep see it. Uh, when they're spooked, the ewe and the lamb can become separated and because they're not very bright creatures, they, can find, they can't find each other and it's leading to lamb deaths. Now, fucking, somebody get out there with a shotgun and blow these Mexican bastards to bits. I'm surprised that there hasn't been a farmer done that already because there are farmers out there who love nothing more than getting up in the morning, having a hearty breakfast and then going out and shooting dugs. They live for that shit. So if there's two chihuahuas out there, hooligan Mexicans, who are causing baby lambs to be separated from their mother and then the lambs die, get out there and blow that dog to fucking bits. Uh, obviously it's lambing season, we've got little ones, uh, ewes, and they're all uh, flighty animals and I wouldn't say that these dogs are necessarily worrying the sheep uh, and biting at their ankles, that sort of thing. Uh, it's more that they're just running wild and spooking the sheep they go in one direction, the lambs go in another, and apparently they sometimes find it difficult to find each other, and the lambs then sadly die. Get out there with a fucking Maharaja band, lead the chihuahuas in an open field, and then as one, as a community, in a time when, as a country, we are so divided, this is how we bring ourselves together, right? You get a fucking Mexican Maharaja band, play La Bamba. <laughs> Play La Bamba in a town square. Play it over and over again. Draw out the town's chihuahuas and then as one, open fire. Open fire on them. Again, let me stress this before the trolls come. I am not condoning violence on animals in any way. I am an animal lover. But chihuahuas are a different breed. They are descendant from Beelzebub himself. They are the devil. As this man describes it, Mexican hooligans. And nobody wants that. So if you're in a town, or a city, or anywhere, and you're living in fear because of the Mexican hooligan, the Chihuahua, get yourself a smart speaker. Get in an open space. Get your back against the wall. Blast La Bamba at full speed. And wait for them to come out. And then when they drop their fucking... What's that hang? The rattles. What are they called? The fucking... Anyway. <laughs> when 
when you see the tiny sombrero coming over the hill, hold, la 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 mamba, hold, hold, you see them galloping towards you, the wee fucking sombrero going mad, <laughs> crazy wee face, no, pensioners, Tories, middle Englanders, working class scumbags, single parents, just open fire, just blow the fucking chihuahuas to pieces. It it could become, it could become a a yearly thing. You know, you all get together and go picking strawberries, put out scarecrows, fireworks displays, the chihuahua cull. It can become the new. It can become the new thing for the WI. The cull of the chihuahua. Town Square, La Bamba, full blast, watch for the sombreros, hold back, hold back, open fire. You're welcome. It's good to solve problems. It's good to solve problems here on the podcast. It's nice to find new stories that we can solve. You know, it's nice to find that we can we can do these things as a, as a group. There we go. Okay, long podcast. Long podcast. Right, um... Get yourself on the Patreon, support the show. We're going to be getting extended versions of each podcast now every single week. It's going to be going to Patreon only. So if you want to get access to every single minute of the podcast, uh, the unedited versions, audio and video, get yourself on the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Or go to the website, BigScottGibson.com. Tour dates are up there. Get your tickets. Uh, come and see a tour show. We don't have many left. What have we got coming up? April 1st, we're in Creef, uh, Strathaven Arts Centre. April 29th, Bigger, uh, Corn Exchange in Bigger. 1st of May, Aberdeen at the Lemon Tree. 21st in Dunoon and the 26th in Edinburgh. And then we are done. We're taking a break and we're disappearing on the ground. So get on the website, bigsillgibson.com. Get your tickets. Come and see me live and get on the Patreon. £4 a month, £1 a week. It's fucking nothing. You get an extra podcast and you get the unedited version you support the show, you support me, we're all happy, we're struggling artists, doomsday's coming, you know, enjoy, enjoy life. Thanks for watching, subscribe to the YouTube channel, like your videos, leave a review, do the usual stuff, and until we speak again, stay safe, wash your hands and your arsehole, and I'll see you in a battlefield very soon, almost. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 